When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. It is indeed the Dan Grosser Show live and in living color. You were else but 98.7 ESPN. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Tom and Chantel producing the program. We got the Rising Stars game coming up at 9 o'clock, and you'll hear that right here on 98.7. Uh, you can get me on the old X, at Dan Grasa, G-R-A-C-A. We'll talk some baseball. Our pal John Harper, S-N-Y, going to join us at 8.30 to talk a little Mets, little Yankees, as workouts are underway down in the Grapefruit League. But as we do, whenever we have a full uninterrupted vehicle at this time, at 8 o'clock, which is appointment radio, we do a little thing where we get you caught up on maybe some of the guys making news that aren't really on your radar, things that you might have missed along the way. It's a little segment we like to call Grasa Us. This is Grasa Us. Grasa Us. It's our way of saying thank you to the sports figures out there making headlines. That's what we do. Not rocket science. Nothing more, nothing less. But we like to have some fun with it. And we think you guys have fun with it, too, and that's why we keep doing it here. So we'll start us off tonight with, you know, we talked a lot of basketball. It's the All-Star break, All-Star weekend, festivities galore in Indianapolis. Last night, one of the teams to hit the floor was the Milwaukee Bucks. And to say that Milwaukee has not exactly had things easy so far this year, I think is an understatement. I mean, hell, they fired their coach already, right? Adrian Griffin, who had his team second in the conference, a part his dismissal, gone. They don't play defense. Giannis was checked out, and they said, Adrian, you know what, man? Take a hike. You're gone. We're going to bring in Doc Rivers. Well, hasn't really worked out that much better with Doc Rivers. Ten games under Doc. Milwaukee's 3-7. and 3-7. Seven. And, seven. and last night, they lost to a Memphis Grizzlies team, which has had more injuries than any team in the NBA times 10. And Milwaukee mails it in, losing to the Grizzlies last night. So you know what? That was on Doc Rivers' mind when he met the media after the game. Take a listen to Doc. Uh, two guys forget what we're running. Uh, then we miss the shot, and then nobody gets back. That's how we start out the third quarter. That tells you all you need to know about where our heads were. Um, you know, um, we, we had some guys here, and we had some guys in Cabo. Well, you could go to Cabo, of course, because the All-Star break is, is – is like a month long. I mean, these teams are off now for a week. Nobody plays again until Thursday. So, I mean, call me crazy, but everything that came out of Doc's mouth, even though it might be honest and 100% accurate, that doesn't reflect well on the head coach. You think it does? Because in any sport, like if a team stinks and a head coach looks like, you know, he's maybe over his head a little bit. The losers lament that they're all going to chime in with after another defeat and another loss was, I'll tell you what, though, as bad as we were, we didn't quit. We played hard. 
We were engaged the whole time. Doc went out there and told you basically the opposite. The guy's heads weren't in the game. So you lost seven out of ten games since taking over as the head coach. Remember, Milwaukee couldn't play any defense. The defensive numbers have actually improved a little bit under Doc, but offensively they're going in another direction. This is one of those years where, you know what, despite all the talent you have, and remember when they went out and traded for Dame, we thought that, shoot, Milwaukee might win this whole darn thing again. This just might be one of those years where it's a comp, and it's not like they're the Mets of last year. Right, where you have all these big names and like it just doesn't fire. They're going to make the playoffs. They'll be fine. But this team could easily get picked off in the first round again. It's a bad combination. It's just not working. And I mean, 10 games, I think that's a big enough sample size, even though you have a new head coach. Do we even have to bring up again, by the way, that Doc Rivers is coaching the All Star team <laughs> Easter Conference this weekend? Sweet irony. That's what I say, Dan. <laughs> I mean, what do they do? I don't know. But Maybe. anyway, so. Doc's speaking the truth, but he's not wrong. He's not wrong. Is it just a kick in the rear end that the Bucks need, though? Like, I know, like, people are against, like, coaches speaking out against the players in the media. That's kind of something you have to keep in the locker room. But right. at what point do you say, screw that strategy, you got to call a spade a spade. You got to be completely honest with everybody. I think that's what Doc is doing there. Like, But, but you know what the problem is, Tom, is that you got guys on that team that have won championships, Right. I mean, you have dudes like, I mean, Giannis and Ten and Kumpo, Dame Lillard, those are first ballot Hall of Famers. Those are incredible. I mean, Dame hasn't won, but like, Giannis has won. He's got MVPs, other guys in that room, championships, same thing. Like, they should not need the kick in the rear. This team should be motivated enough. And it's not like they have a poor record. I mean, you know, they're third in the conference, game up in the loss on the Knicks, but we just expect more from this team. Now, look, the joke could be all on us. When we get to the playoffs, and then all of a sudden, like, Milwaukee decides, all right, it's playoff time. Now we need to kick it into high gear. And they do flip that switch, and all of a sudden they go on this crazy run and, you know, compete for a championship. It could happen. I'm just not betting the house on it. Because as we said earlier, too, Doc is not exactly one of your playoff-proven head coaches, despite the fact he won that title with the Celtics 15 years ago. Never been to a conference finals otherwise. Let's move on. Next one, Tom. Cross uh, us? We're going to go to football. Um, I missed when this happened today. Somebody pointed out to me. And when somebody said, did you, did you hear what so-and-so? I said, no. What do you say? And when I heard this, I, I, I had to go and, like, fact check it myself to see if it was true or not. Uh, like, he really said this? It wasn't just a goof, and then I had to check my my calendar and my phone to make sure it wasn't April Fool's Day. He really believes this. My friend and yours, Mike Tannenbaum, and he's a friend. Let me stress that. He is a friend. It's not a thing I wouldn't do for the man. He was on Get Up today. And, of course, everybody's looking ahead to the offseason for the NFL, what could be done, what teams could do. So Mike T., who's made many a trade in his career as a former GM, threw out a trade proposal involving our New York football giants and the Cleveland Browns. But you know what? I'm going to stop talking right now, and I'll let you hear what he came up with. Take a listen. I'm trading Deshaun Watson and a second-round pick to the New York Giants for Daniel Jones. And hear me out. If you're the Cleveland Browns, you have Dorian Thompson-Robinson, you have Joe Flacco, and now a 27-year-old Daniel Jones who has one year left of guaranteed money for $36 million and an enormous amount of flexibility moving forward. 
And if you're the Giants, you're getting Deshaun Watson, who's 29. Are you? Who's making $46 million a year for the next three years and a second-round pick. And to me, you need a front-line difference-making quarterback. Because right now, if you're the Giants, how in the world do you win the NFC when you have to beat San Francisco, Green Bay, Dallas, Philly, and Detroit? With Daniel Jones, right. Yeah, with Daniel Jones. So to me, Deshaun Watson hasn't played well the last couple of years. But he has a high upside, and he's only 29 years old. So, so, so. Who says no? Me? I I mean, you know, they didn't ask my opinion. I wasn't at the table today, but me? First of all, I I like the way that he presents it as, if you're the Browns, you've got Dorian Thompson-Robinson, Joe Flacco, and Daniel Jones. It's like name three random quarterbacks and put them all together in one room. It's almost like a quarterback version of Big Brother. Like, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, like, why? Because he played good against the Jets in the Hall of Fame game last year? Like, since when is he the answer? Joe Flacco's 57 years old. And he looked every bit of it in that playoff game against the Texans last year. Like, how is he an option? And Daniel Jones, and I've been a defender of his. I'm not sitting If you ask me right now, out of those three quarterbacks, that would then be property of the Cleveland Browns. I'm not putting my life on any one of those three if it's my job on the line. That's number one. And number two, like, if you're the Giants, would you really want to get into bed with Deshaun Watson? A guy who's coming off of a shoulder injury? And who's getting paid way more money than he probably should be getting paid? Which, look, it's one of the dumbest contracts given out in NFL history with all that guaranteed money to the quarterback. And him of all, if you wanted to give Patrick Mahomes that contract, be my guest. Not Deshaun Watson. And he hasn't exactly repaid the Browns' trust in him, has he? over the last two years since going over to Cleveland. Why would you then, if you're the Giants, want to take Cleveland's mistake off of your hands? Where on the other hand, Giants only have control of Daniel Jones for one more year if they want. They kick him to the curb after 24. If it doesn't work out, that's only a dead cap hit of $22 million. I would much rather be in that scenario. I don't care how old or not old Deshaun Watson is. I don't want that burden On my books and on my roster for the next, what, three years? No, thank you. I could start fresh after this season if it doesn't work out with Daniel Jones. And guess what? I don't even know if it's going to have to wait until after the season. Giants got the sixth pick in the draft. What if Joe Shane and Brian Dayball fall in love with one of these quarterbacks over the next couple of months? You know, there's some weird symmetry that I kind of stumbled upon here. Giants are picking sixth in the draft. When was Daniel Jones taken? What number overall? See a pattern developing here? Wouldn't that be some irony? Yeah, I'm puzzled by that one. Now, Dan, I don't think Mike mentioned it in the cut, but we always say Brian Dable is his quarterback whisperer because he was able to bring up the career of Josh Allen. Is is Mike kind of suggesting that Dable can reinvigorate the career of Deshaun Watson? I don't know if he has to necessarily be reinvigorated. It's just, is that really something that you want to get yourself into in terms of the salary? Oh, hell no. You know what I'm saying? Like, there, there's more to it than that. Like, I don't I don't doubt that if healthy, Deshaun Watson will be a, 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 a productive quarterback in the NFL. I'm just not bringing that onto my – like, Deshaun Watson's also taken some hits. You could say that he's only 28, 29 years old, but think about it. Guys already taking some bumps and bruises, and those don't age too kindly. You know, it's only going to get harder as he gets older. Why not you could start fresh? 
You got the sixth pick in the draft if you want to go out and bring in your own quarterback. A guy who's going to be almost, almost 10 years younger than Deshaun Watson. I don't know. But, look, it's food for thought. I kind of I, I can see where Mike's going with that. I just wouldn't necessarily go there myself. Uh, let's uh, go to the next one, Tom. Grasa us. Let's do some college hoops, but some women's college hoops. Congratulations to Caitlin Clark. I'm sure you've heard about her exploits. She is pretty good at this thing called basketball. Became the all-time, all-time scoring leader in the NCAA women's game. Did it last night. Hit like a three-pointer. To set the record almost from the logo at midcourt, like the big old Iowa Hawkeye logo there. Tremendous, tremendous score. Here were her thoughts after the game last night, breaking the record. I don't know if you can really script it any better. And just to do it in this fashion, I'm very grateful. I'm very thankful to be surrounded by so many people that have kind of been my foundation and everything that I've done since I was a young little girl. And I started crying watching that video just because I'm just filled with so much gratitude and love. And the way the fa- these fans support women's basketball is so much special. It's so special. And you all knew I was going to shoot a logo three for the record. Come on now. You got to make it though, right? That's number one. All the great ones have confidence. If you think you're going to take a shot like that, it better go through, and it did. And now she's sitting there all by herself. And you know what the best part is? She's got more games to add on to it, too. Pad the record. Gain some separation, some distance between you and all the other oncomers from here till the end of time. Great career, great player, and still going. And you know what? What's the best way to cap it off? Go cut down the nets when it's all said and done. Win a championship. How special would that be? In a year where you set all these records, win it with a championship at the end? That'd be pretty sweet. And if you ask her, probably, she'd probably rather have the championship than the records. Anybody who plays a team sport, you got to think like that. Let's uh, let's move on, Tom. Grasa us. All right. Let's move on to some baseball, shall we? And we'll talk about the New York Yankees. A lot of expectations for them this year. You know, they went out and made the big splash Juan Soto. Marcus Stroman is here to add to that rotation. Needless to say, things didn't go all that well for them last year, right? 82 wins, worst season they've had in three decades. Aaron Boone met the media the other day, and he talked about what needs to happen for this team to win a championship. I think anytime you're a championship-level team, and hopefully in the end we're holding that trophy, that's what we're here to try and accomplish. You know, I think a lot of things have to go right, you know, start with health, In any season, you're going to have your health challenges here and there. But hopefully, for the most part, you know, especially a lot of your core guys can go to the post regularly. I mean, that's an important factor. Obviously, going through with what we went through last year as a club, nobody wants that ever again. And that it really left, obviously, a sour taste. And, you know, it's like sand getting kicked in your face, you know. And I do feel like we have a group that is always really focused and diligent on preparing and getting ready to go out and have a great season. But I do think there's another level of edge and focus to not wanting that to happen again. And we have a lot of guys with pride in there that, again, I feel like that first box has been checked by a lot of guys that are eager to put last year behind us. Fair. And look, it can't get any worse than last season. I mean, if it does, they're going to have a lot of new people in charge in 2025 for the Yankees. And I don't think that's going to happen. The key to the Yankees, I feel, is going to be the health of that rotation. Because let's face it, last year they didn't have health. It was Garrett Cole and everybody else. And that's the thing. Like, Garrett Cole had as he was the best pitcher in baseball last year. And the Yankees had their worst season in 30 years. It takes more than just one guy. 
especially when you're talking about 162 and a guy who's only going to go out there once every five days. So whether it's Nestor Cortez, whether it's Marcus Stroman, whether it's anybody else, Carlos Rodon, more than anybody, those guys got to stay healthy. They got to answer the call. Clark Schmidt, for example, career high workload last year. How did that behoove Nestor Cortez a season ago when he was coming off of his career high in innings? Right? Marcus Stroman last year battled injuries the entire second half with the Chicago Cubs. That's what concerns me. If I'm a betting man right now, or you're asking me, hey, Grasso, who's going to win the AL East? It's still the Orioles. Still the Orioles. That's my team for the next handful of years. That club is loaded with talent from top to bottom in all ranges of their baseball organization. All right, I know they lose. Well, they didn't lose him yet, but they're going to at some point. Kyle Bradish, who has a UCL tear, and he's going to try to pitch through it. One of their starting pitchers. Well, even if they lose Bradish, they just went out and traded for Corbin Burns. They got themselves a stud. They got a workhorse. And this team won a division last year without the likes of a Corbin Burns fronting that rotation. Baltimore is still the team to beat. Can the Yankees be second in the AL East? Could they be better than the Tampa Bay Rays? Yes, if they get the innings from the starters, they could compete. Yankees should be a playoff team this year. Let's face it. Meantime, let's talk a little Mets, Tom, as we segue to the next one. Cross us. Let's hear from their chief of baseball ops, David Stearns. And the big name around Mets camp these days is Pete Alonso going into his walk year. Are they going to extend him? Are they going to let him play out the season? Are they going to trade him, perhaps, before the deadline if they can't work out an agreement? What do the uh, Mets baseball czar have to say about the first baseman? We're not going to get into the specifics of any particular negotiation. Um, I'm not going to provide you guys updates on any conversations that uh, exist back and forth. But look, when you have a really talented player who's really good, who's entering his final year of club control, who happens to be represented by Scott Boris, these things generally end up into free agency. And we understand that. This is an organization that's dealt with that before with really good players, and it's ended up in a perfectly fine spot. So I have not seen Pete here yet, haven't talked to him here yet, but what we're going to talk about is look let's go out and have a great year together you go out have a great year let's have a great year as a team and if we do that we're both going to be set up the organization and pete going to be set up very well going into the offseason you're asking me right now do i think the mets are extending pete alonzo before the season starts no do i think that they're extending pete alonzo during the season no so there's one of two choices right now he's either going to have to play out the year much like aaron judge did a couple of seasons back for the Yankees, and he went ahead and set the American League record for home runs. Or maybe the Mets feel, if they do have preliminary negotiations with Scott Boris and company, that they don't think they're going to approach the number that Boris and Alonzo desire, and maybe they're having a bad season this year, and they decide to cut their losses and trade them before the deadline like they did with those pitchers last year. That could also be an option. I think Pete wants to stay here. I know the fan base wants to keep him here. And I wouldn't necessarily rule out the fact that Alonzo will leave if he plays out the season and doesn't have a new contract. Remember, just because Scott Boris is the agent, it doesn't mean that he can't re-sign with the club. Brandon Nimmo is a Scott Boris guy. And me, and along with a lot of others, thought after Nimmo's last season of his contract, what was that, 23? So after the 22 season, I thought Nimmo was gone. I thought he was going to get a greater offer somewhere else. I, you know, Maybe his Colorado 
at the time was talking that they might pony up for him. I know that there was interest in him, and they might blow the Mets off or out of the water. Never happened. He came back to the Mets. Mets had to pay a pretty penny to keep him. A lot of money, a lot more than I thought, but he's here. So the Mets could do the same thing for Alonzo. Here's the problem, though. First basemen are not getting paid what they once were. You know, you look at Freddie Freeman's contract. That was only for $162 million from the L.A. Dodgers. Paul Goldschmidt, $130 million from the St. Louis Cardinals. Those are MVPs, and that's all that the clubs gave them. Now, granted, they were over 30 years of age when they signed those contracts. Pete is only going to be 29 years old. He's durable. He plays every day. You like that about him? Pete Alonso should be a guy, should be a guy that plays the majority of his career with the New York Mets and gets himself a second contract. I'm just not 100% it's going to happen. One more, Tom. Crush us! Boy, that guy's angry. Very vicious. It's like he wants to move this thing along. Let's talk a little hockey because we have stadium series this weekend, right? Devils Flyers Saturday night at MetLife. Then you got Rangers Islanders on Sunday. Now, Gary Bettman, he's the one that is in charge of all things NHL. He was on the K-Show earlier today. And I'll tell you, he brought something to the table or at least had to explain something, which... I'm sure most hockey fans maybe didn't even realize. And that's the fact that the Rangers and Islanders have not even played yet this year. And the first time they're going to square off against one, one another is the middle of February and at MetLife Stadium of all places. Here was Gary's explanation earlier. The schedule is hard, and there's always the debate, should we have more divisional games at the expense of interconference games? And, and the response to that is we only, only play 82 games. And if we had more divisional play then you might not see every team in your building at least once a season. And, you know, when I talk to teams about that and I say, you know, if, if you're a hockey fan in the New York, New Jersey area, how are you going to feel if you don't see the Stanley Cup champion in your building or you don't see Connor McDavid in your building at least once? And it's a balancing act. And, you know, we tried doing it the other way for a couple of years, and the response we got was we think it's important that every team play every other team home and away at least once. And so it's something we continue to look at, but we find that you can't make everyone happy uh, all the time. Here's the thing. Division games, and not just because these two teams play in essentially the same region, they're, they're rivals. Those games should be spread out a little bit more equally throughout the entire season. Like, the, the NFL got into this problem, too. The Giants and the Eagles, remember, they played twice in the final three games of the season. For the Giants and Eagles not to play each other until Christmas Day, week 15 or six, whatever, that's a joke. You know, it's a joke. They got to do a better job with that stuff. And same thing with the NHL. Like, the Rangers and Islanders should not only be playing for the first time in the middle of February. And I understand you could say, well, you know, hockey, the popularity doesn't really pick up until football season ends. That's nonsense. You know, you're playing the games, you want to fill your buildings, you want to generate interest, however which way you could take it. And remember, there's hockey fans that are only hockey fans. Maybe they don't like football, they don't like basketball, they, don't like ba they love their hockey, they love their Rangers, they love their Islanders. They're going to be there every night, but you're going to reward them too with the matchups that they probably covet more than anything else, which in this case are the rivalry games. So that's Grasa Us, good addition here on this Friday. And oh, by the way, we're going to have a fresh grass of us tomorrow for our Saturday morning show. That's right, from 9 a.m. to noon. So don't forget to listen in 
to that one. When we come back, we'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk some baseball. A little bit further with our good buddy from SNY, John Harper. What are the Mets? What are the Yankees up to? We'll get those answers from him. It's Grasso Show till 9, right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Yes. The sounds of baseball. Well, we're not quite there yet. I mean, it's tough to sit here and think about spring and baseball when we got, you know, three to five inches of snow coming overnight into tomorrow morning. But you know what? At least for the folks down in Florida where the Mets and Yankees are, a little Grapefruit League action, they can start to smell spring and warm weather and all those things. And never the wrong time to talk some baseball. So we'll do that right now with our good buddy, longtime columnist. You see him on SNY. Read him on SNYTV.TV. It's our good buddy, John Harper. Harp! Thanks for hopping on tonight, buddy. How are you? I'm good, Dan. Good. I'm uh, I'm feeling feeling the breeze from South Florida coming up this way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. Well, you know what? Send it up here a little bit faster and send the snow off someplace else because I'm sick and tired of that already. And we've only had a couple of little little dusters so far this winter, but enough is enough. Um, Glad to hear everything is good. Before we get into the Mets and the Yankees, big picture here with baseball, and it's something that we've unfortunately had to visit often in the last few years here. What can be done? Can anything be done? It just it seems like this constant where you have these big free agents who go deep into the offseason, even until camps are open before they can find homes. Like, what could be done about this? Yeah, and what a shock. Most of them are uh, – their agents are Scott, his agent yeah. Scott Boros, you know. Uh, but I was glad to see that Manfred actually addressed it, you know, which is uh, – I haven't heard him do that before, that he, that he recognizes that it's an issue. Uh, you know, obviously it would have to be collectively bargained, which is always a problem in baseball. Nothing ever, these, these sides never arrive at anything easily. But I, I do think they need to try and create some kind of artificial deadline, give, you know, give teams or give, give incentive to both sides to get deals done because it does, I, I, it just, I mean, 
it just drags everything out too long to the point where I think, and, and it, it creates this perception that about baseball that, you know, baseball has enough problems. We don't need this on top of it. So I don't know. It's good that Manfred addressed it. I could see maybe some traction here, but I just, I don't think anytime soon because Boris feels like, you know, he feels like the longer he waits, he, he's got the leverage. Uh, even though he's not getting, he obviously he's not getting the offers he wants, but he feels like the longer he waits, there's going to be pressure on teams to do something, and eventually he'll get it. And usually he does get his deals for guys. It's backfired on him occasionally, but for the most part, this usually works out. I remember it was only a few years ago, Bryce Harper and Machado went into February, and they ended up getting the money they sought. So we'll see. We'll see if uh, if guys like Snell and uh, and uh, Chapman, guys like that, are going to get their money. The difference is, though, you know, when you're dealing with him, for example, and he's got the Juan Soto situation there, when you're talking about, you know, everyday players and sluggers who were still in their, you know, mid to late 20s, let's say, you know, when they hit free agency for the first time, I think teams might be ultimately, at the end of the day, more receptive to paying them those astronomical dollar figures. But in these cases, like, for example, you know, like like Snell's case, Snell's a two-time Cy Young winner, but there's still flaws and things you could poke at in his game. And plus, he's 31 years of age. Those type of guys aren't going to cash in if they hold out and hope that they're going to see, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. It's not going to happen anymore. Yeah, yeah, you're right. If if he's asking, you know, if, if the reports are the true that he's you know, looking for an eight-year deal or something, that's just crazy. I no mean, way. he's way, Snell's way too inconsistent with his with his uh, injuries, his his injury uh, inning totals, and, and his even this year, how many Cy Young, I don't know if there's ever been a Cy Young winner that led, led the league in walks. So he's inconsistent, and that's part of the issue. You know, the reason everybody... Everybody's willing to go so high on Yamamoto because he's 25 years old, like you said. It's rare you get free agents in their prime. It's usually toward the back end of their prime, and that's where I think teams have gotten smarter in terms of what they're willing to offer, unless it's the absolute, you know, it's a, if it's a judge or somebody like that, they're willing to pay for superstar talent. But none of these guys, there's questions about Bellinger as well, none of these guys really qualify as a superstar. So I think teams are going to be a little bit more wary, and it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. No doubt about that. All right, let's bring it closer to home here, and we'll start with the Yankees. The other day, Cole met the media, and and look, Yankees had an awful season last year, but it wasn't because of Garrett Cole. He was the best pitcher in baseball, but they still barely were a 500 team. He had some things to say about the injury factor, which, yes, it played a role in their downswing last season, but not necessarily a shot at the strength and conditioning program or the training, but maybe he put the onus a little bit on the players themselves that maybe they're not coming into spring training and into the season in the shape that they should. Do you think that maybe a message like that was delivered and received by the guys in that clubhouse? Uh, you know, that's a good question. I I took it as maybe – if he was if he was uh, really trying to do that, it was directed at maybe Carlos Rodon because it seemed like that had to be that was an issue last year. He looked a little heavy from the start. He had some injuries with his back right away. Other than that, I mean, he, I mean, you know, the judge injury was obviously a fluke with the with breaking his toe, the uh, Rizzo injury with the concussion, and and Stanton, you know, I mean, there's nobody there, nobody's ever said he's not in shape. It's just that he's 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 almost probably too strong or something for him for his body to hold up over 162 games or his, his lower leg muscles or whatever. I mean, these, I think for the most part, these guys, you know, it's been years now where guys didn't come in spring training in shape. It'd be a rare exception. So maybe it was aimed at Rodon. I don't know if anybody else would have, he would have been thinking that way. I think in general, he might, he might've just been expressing his frustration and letting guys know, listen, we got to do everything we can to try and make this go our way. 
Talking with John Harper, a little baseball here on 98.7 ESPN. Pitching is going to be so critical for this team's chances of success this year. I think we could all acknowledge that. Specifically with the starting rotation, we know that Stroman has been um, signed to add to this group. Give me the guy right now in that Yankee rotation harp that you have the most confidence in to deliver, not named Garrett Cole. <laughs> a good question. That's uh, too easy. I can't give you a call. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, and I, you know, I mean, I think Rodon is the key to me. He still, I said it last year, he takes them to another level if he's that guy who uh, was one of the best pitchers in baseball in uh, 21 and 22. But we don't know. I mean, we don't know if he's going to get that guy. Cortez is hurt. I mean, it's it really kind of the floor for me in terms of consistency is probably Stroman, just because we kind of know, we basically know who he is. I know he had some injury issues last year and he didn't have a great second half. But for the most part, you're going to get a guy who's going to keep the ball on the ground. He's going to throw strikes. He's going to, he's going to uh, for the most part, stay durable and give you a solid, you know, he, he seems like more of a number three type starter to me. And maybe Yankees, they really need that, that Rodon effect, that number two guy or whatever. But I would have to say, I would have to say Stroman, I guess. Soto. I look at it this way with him. I thought that if the Yankees landed Yamamoto, that would have been another multi-year contract well into the future that they were going to have on their books. So if they had gotten Yamamoto, I always felt harped that it would have decreased the chances considerably of Soto sticking around beyond one year. But the fact that Yamamoto went to the Dodgers, well, that's another long-term contract that the Yankees are free to give out. So I'm kind of optimistic that Soto might be sticking around the Bronx for years to come. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, a lot depends how this year goes, obviously. But I just, you know, I mean, Hal Steinbrenner is very conscious of his image now that Yankee fans feel like he hasn't done enough. You know, he's not his father and all that. He hasn't spent uh, – he's not completely uh, dedicated to winning in terms of the way he spends. So I, I think he'd be very wary about letting Soto walk, especially if Soto has a big year. And he walks, and we know, we, at least we think, Steve Cohen's going to be looking to spend again next winter. Uh, if he went, if, if Soto went from the Bronx to Queens, uh, South Steinbrenner wouldn't hear the end of that. So I uh, I got to believe, you're probably right, the Yamamoto thing would have put a dent in their budget, a big dent in their budget as well. Um, but you, you got to see how the pitching unfolds here too. But I, I just, it's hard to see Yankees letting that guy go because, we know they can pay him if they want to. It's just how 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 willing, uh, how far is how Samuel willing to extend himself? And uh, I think that's that's probably going to be the key. If they have a great year, maybe that takes some of the pressure off them. But then if you have a great year and you win with him, you can let him go. I mean, I, it's hard to see that really. No, you there's no way. We're talking baseball with John Harper here on 98.7 ESPN. Dan Gross' show, the Mets. Um, you know, there's this perception and a lot of it was kind of initiated last year during the trade deadline when they sold off a lot of those pieces and, you know, Max Scherzer letting the cat out of the bag that, you know, the conversations they he had with ownership and Billy Epler at the time was that they were, you know, looking more towards 2025. I know that the fan base kind of is a little bit pessimistic about their chances for this year. They weren't super active in the offseason, a lot of one year deals and such, but. How do you look at the Mets for the upcoming season? Do, do, do you fall in that category that they're punting on 2024? Because I don't necessarily feel that way. Not punting, but obviously not all in either. Now listen, they did try for Yamamoto, and uh, Cohen, Steve Cohen went all out for him, and, I, and, and that made sense. He's 25 years old again, as we said. 
And he's a guy that you can try and win with right now and also try and win with for the next several years. So that was part of their big plan is obviously trying to trying to see what this farm system now uh, can develop here after the trades they made. Um, but I I think best I think they're going to need a lot of best case scenarios to be an 85, 86 win team, and that that would get them into the mix for a wild card team. I, I, it's hard to see how they could be much better than that. But if you get a bounce back from Severino. I think I'm pretty high on this guy, Sean Manaya, that they, they signed. He really finished strong last year. He changed a lot of the way he pitched. You get those two guys pitching at a fairly high level to go with Senga and a solid Quintana. Now you've got something. You've got a solid rotation, but you got to see a lot of that work. And they also, they've added depth in their pen, but they've got a lot of untested arms. they got, you know, they got some harder throwers, which they needed, but there's, you know, there's still a lot of inconsistency in that bullpen. And, you know, obviously they have Diaz back. And then the offense, that's the one thing that, you know, really, if I'm a Mets fan, I would really be upset about it is that they didn't go out. And, and listen, J.D. Martinez is still out there. They that's the guy, Harp. I've been on, I've been on yeah. team J.D. Martinez since the beginning of the offseason. That, to me, is a perfect hey, fit. I did a story uh, looking, at, uh, looking at him and, you know, this whole D.H. thing with him probably six weeks ago now. And I didn't even realize how his, he had elite, elite hard-hit numbers. Uh, power numbers. He, he missed like 50 games, and he still put up huge numbers. So he was really, he really had a fantastic year. He, I mean, maybe he didn't. He probably, as I'm sure, the Mets weren't his first choice with everything that they, it looks like they're doing. But he, I don't know how many choices he has at this point. So I still think he could make a huge difference. This is, you know, that offense is a below-average offense last year. Yeah. You put J.D. Martinez behind Alonso. I think it would make a big difference uh, because. I, I'm not sure. Look, you can't, they're counting on bounce back years again from McNeil, from uh, Marte, guys like that. But, you know, even then, I still think they're lacking. They, they got nothing out of the DH spot last year. And I'm not sure that Vientos is the answer. I know they no. want to see their young guys develop. We, don't, we still don't know much if, if Beatty's going to get there. I, I think they would, they would really help, help the perception of what this team can do if they still went out there and signed Martinez. It doesn't look like they're going to do it, though. Marte could be one incredible X factor, but again, I just like you said, I don't know if he's going to go back to the All Star that he was a couple of years ago. If you tell me he's going to be the All Star, Starling Marte I said, "All right, fine. You know what? Let's see where this thing goes." But I got to see it to really believe it. First, you mentioned Alonzo; that's the big name. Obviously, it's the chances are remote that there is going to be any sort of a contract extension before the season starts. I mean, David Stearns basically, you know, put that to bed a couple of days ago when he met the media, but. How ultimately do you think it's going to play out? Do you think it's just, hey, he plays out the season? Or could you see the Mets maybe making the same decision with Pete that they did with the pitchers last year? And if they're not having all that great of a season, maybe they cut bait and try to get something in return for Alonzo at the deadline. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's possible. I just, I, 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 they, they, they're so lacking in terms of power. He means so much to them with the, what he can do with the power, bring with power. I know he didn't have a great year. He hit what two seventeen or two eighteen last year. He's got to be better than that, obviously. And I think I think they would have signed him long term by now if he wasn't asking for reportedly something you know like judge money, which you know he, it, he's not worth that much. But it, when it comes right down to it, are they gonna are they gonna really let him walk? I mean, do they have somebody that's gonna kind of fill that spot in terms of power? Because they do want to they want to win again as early. I mean, they want, I think they're gonna be all in as early as twenty twenty five. Alonso's still gonna be relatively young uh, in, in the terms of what he can do with the power. So I think I think it plays out. He gets the free agency. We know he's going there because it's Boris. He hired Boris as agent. 
And I think if he has a good year this year, I mean, he needs to put up numbers, uh, but he doesn't need to do what Judge did in his walk year and put in 62 home runs. But if he proves again that he can be that force in the middle of the lineup, I think I think Cohen ends up paying him because I think it, it's not a, it's not apples to apples in terms of what they did with Nimmo. But they they overpaid for Nimmo and they knew they were overpaying, but they wanted him back. He filled a good role for them, and I think he'll end up doing the same thing for uh, for Alonso. That's the beauty of having an owner like Cohen who's not willing to spend when he thinks it's the right move. We'll see what happens. The noise is only going to get louder as we get closer, certainly. Harp, great to catch up again, my friend. We'll do it again real soon. Thanks for hopping on, buddy. Hey, sounds good. Thanks, Dan. All right, that's John Harper, SNY, SNY.TV, talking a little baseball. When we come back, just a little bit more on one of the things Harper was just talking about there with the Mets as to what this whole offseason approach has been like for him. And also, I think it's pretty evident that both football teams in this town need to add another quarterback for next season. Guy just became available today that we should probably throw into the discussion. Grasso Show till the top of the hour, plus your phone calls to close it out on this Friday night, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Reminder, we return to our Saturday morning program as well. That comes your way manana, 9 a.m. to noon. We're going to have Rutgers coach Steve Peichel among our guests. A couple of other surprises as well. And we're going to do another edition of Grasa Us. Why? Because we got a full show. we got enough materials, so we're going to make it happen for you. So that is bright and early. Quick turnaround for us here on 98.7 ESPN. Just to, to piggyback off of something that um, – Harp was talking about there, and we thank John for joining us. He does a great job, of course, with the baseball. And, you know, with the Mets approach, and, and I've, I've, I've touched on this in the past, I really I, – I, I get the concept of what they're doing this offseason and the fact that they haven't dished out any of these splashy contracts for multiple years to some of these players that maybe aren't necessarily deserving of a long-term commitment. They might, like, make them a better team – in the short term in 2024, but maybe overall down the road, it's not going to be the most financially beneficial thing for him. And the comparison that I use is what the Dodgers did this time last year. The Dodgers did not make any big splashy acquisitions last offseason. Okay, if I'm not mistaken, like the biggest signing they had might have been J.D. Martinez. And J.D. Martinez had to settle for a one-year deal for $10 bucks, And he's looking for a lot more of that this year because he had another good season last season for the Dodgers. But that was really it. And the Dodgers were essentially just lying in the weeds. Remember, they let some of those young players flourish last year, and you saw the James Outmans of the world do his thing, and then all those pitchers that were called upon, the Bobby Millers and such. So they let their tax number kind of get resituated because they knew that this offseason you had Shohei Otani, you had Yamamoto that were going to be there for them. And guess what? they ended up netting both of those guys. Now, if they went out and spent like drunken sailors last winter, they probably would not have been able to get both of those players, and I think that they're happy with the way that it worked out. Now, with the Mets, I don't think that the strategy is all that different because look forward to next winter and the players that are available in free agency in baseball. Juan Soto. Well, Pete Alonso's theirs, but Pete Alonso could be a free agent. Alex Bregman. Paul Goldschmidt, even though he's a little bit older. But look at some of these pitchers. And remember, all the starters at the Mets signed this year are essentially one-year deals. I mean, Manaya is a two-year commitment, but everybody else, one-year deals. 
Corbin Burns is a free agent. Zach Wheeler is a free agent. Max Freed, Walker Bueller, Shane Bieber. I mean, these are elite arms. Those are five all-star pitchers, a couple of Cy Young Award winners in there too, Cy Young finalists. Those guys can all be had next offseason, so why would you go throw crazy money even at somebody like Blake Snell, for example. Blake Snell's available right now. I would take... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I would take Blake Snell, or excuse me, I would take at least four out of those five free agents next year over Blake Snell any day of the week. The only one that I might have a little bit of apprehension on is Shane Bieber. Just because everything he's been through right now, injury-wise of late, and I'm not convinced that his stuff is going to play well into his 30s. I'm not a big Blake Snell fan. Um, I said years from now, we're going to look back and see, like, you know, two-time Cy Young winners in history, and it's like, how did Blake Snell win two Cy Youngs? Right? It, it, it's, it's just one of those oddities in baseball and in sports. But each and every one of those pitchers, maybe with the exception of Shane Bieber, I would rather have on my team long-term as opposed to somebody like Blake Snell. So I'm not going to sit here and take exception to what the Mets are doing and Steve Cohen and Dave Stearns and how they're approaching this stuff. Be patient. Let's see how it plays itself out. Now, the other thing with football, and we didn't mention this earlier in the show, Jimmy Garoppolo was given a two-game suspension by the National Football League today, uh, violating the league's performance-enhancing drug. It says that he took a a prescription pill that wasn't authorized, and so he got popped two games. Probably what happened was, is because, remember, Jimmy was dealing with injuries. He probably got something or took something to be able to facilitate the recovery, and he ended up getting popped for it. Now, it works out well, actually, for the Raiders because the Raiders, of course, turned things over to Aiden O'Connell. And Look, I'm not sitting here trying to tell you that Aiden O'Connell is the long-term answer for the Raiders. He's not. So the Raiders are still, in a way, in the market for a quarterback, but the difference is, is they're not going to have Jimmy Garoppolo's contract still on their books as a burden because that $11.25 million that he was promised next year and guaranteed, that voids because of the suspension. Any type of suspension voids the contract. So Raiders make off great. Don't have to be on the hook for that money, and they could say thanks, but no, you know, thanks for the memories and move on. Because remember, Jimmy G was signed out there by the two guys who were no longer in, 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 in employment, in Josh McDaniels, and Dave Ziegler, the former coach and the former GM. But it got me thinking. Now, I'm sure that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to try to find himself a starting job next year because every team needs a quarterback, and there aren't very many good ones. And the thing that Jimmy Garoppolo and his agent can say to all the teams out there is that whether you like him or don't like him, Jimmy Garoppolo at least wins games. You know, you're not signing him to win a Super Bowl, but he wins games. The guy's 43-20 and 20 as a starting quarterback. 43-20. and 20. He's won two-thirds of the games that he started as a quarterback. That's pretty good. But I'm just throwing this out there. How would you feel as a Giant fan, as a Jet fan, 
if Jimmy Garoppolo was brought on board to add to that quarterback room for your respective team? Obviously, for the Jets, he'd be the backup to Aaron Rodgers because, you know, Aaron Rodgers is the guy. But in the event Aaron Rodgers can't make it through 17 games like he didn't last year for whatever reason, there are probably worse alternatives to Jimmy Garoppolo as your quarterback. And I think that we saw, I lost count, what, three of those alternatives this year for the Jets? Not named Aaron Rodgers. Giants, on the other hand, they've got two quarterbacks who are under contract. they got Daniel Jones and Tommy DeVito. They're going to have to go get another guy. I don't know who that is. Are they going to invest a draft choice in a quarterback? I could see them doing that. But then the question is, is it going to be of the first-round variety? Or is it going to be somebody in the later rounds of the draft? Not a guy that you're going to expect to come in and start right off of the bat. I don't know. But what about signing a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo? Because the way Daniel Jones' recovery is going right now from the ACL, everything is on track. He spoke to our buddy Pat Leonard the other day of the Daily News and said that things are going good. He's already uh, running on one of those treadmills. And this is now three months in because, remember, he had the surgery on Thanksgiving Day. And most of these recovery timelines, they say they're in the neighborhood of nine months. So he's on schedule for training camp, right? Six more months puts you right around that July-August time frame. So if we're talking week one, like Daniel Jones will probably be ready for the season opener. But do you want to bring in a veteran that could at least compete for the job? Or even if he's not going to be the guy, should something happen to Daniel Jones or he gets off to a rough start, you turn the keys over to him and see if he could jumpstart the offense a little bit. Garoppolo could be one of those guys. I don't Look, I, I don't know what type of money he's going to command either. I'm sure that that's going to have a lot to do with it. Remember, he signed a pretty good contract with the Raiders. It was a three-year deal, and it was for something like $72 bucks. Now, not all of it was guaranteed, of course, but you know he was getting paid like a guy who has done some things in the NFL. Now, the Jets were in those discussions once upon a time too at this time last year you know along with David Derek Carr and ultimately they landed Aaron Rodgers so it's funny how things work out and I don't know if you know this also here's another quirk about Jimmy Garoppolo Tom I don't know if you you caught this one as well you know that there's only two quarterbacks right now in the NFL with multiple Super Bowl rings only two only two hmm and the, so we know Patrick Mahomes is one of them, obviously. Patrick Mahomes is one. Who's the other one that has multiple Super Bowl rings? Is it going to be like a trick question, like a backup? Well, we were just talking about him for the last five minutes. Hmm. Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. It's a shame. Because he won them in New England. As Tom Brady's understudy. Yeah, of course. Anyway. It's funny. You know what? It's funny. But you know what? It might make him some more money on the open market. We'll see. That's all for us tonight. Thanks to John Harper. Thanks to Tom. Thanks to Chantel. Thanks to you guys. We'll talk to you bright and early tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. Grasses ain't so long on 98. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.